0: I'm Felix Salmon, and welcome to Axios Recap, where we dig into one big story. Today is Wednesday, November the 10th. It is the day that the Consumer Price Index came out. So we are focused today on inflation and what it means. The numbers, because we should start with the numbers, 0.9%, the amount the prices went up in the past month. 6.2 6.2 percent, the amount the prices have gone up in the past year. These are very large numbers. We haven't seen anything like them for decades. And this is causing massive repercussions politically and economically and even in the markets. We're going to talk to Axios's Hans Nichols about this. But first, I just need to think about this with you. Who likes it? no one likes it. It's one of these weird things where there aren't winners and losers. There just seem to be losers, at least psychologically. In fact, there are winners. There are the people who are getting paid more. Their labor is feeding through into prices. They should be happy because they're getting paid more. There are CEOs who are getting to charge more for their goods, and they should be happy because they're getting to improve their profit margins. But weirdly, no one feels happy about inflation, even if it's good for them. Everyone feels like it's bad. They look at these numbers and they want to blame someone. And the person they blame is normally the president. So that's what we're going to be talking about with Hans Nichols, coming up on Axios Recap. I'm joined now by Axios political reporter Hans Nichols, who's joining us from a soundproof studio deep inside the Capitol. You're literally in the heart of American politics right now.
1: Yeah, except everyone's at fundraisers on the West Coast, right? I mean, no lawmakers are actually here. But yes, in theory, this is where laws are made.
0: Washington, D.C. and the entire country was shocked by an earthquake this morning of CPI. Came in at 0.9 percent. Inflation has reared its head. It's a real thing. It wasn't temporary. And every single Republican, at least, is going around saying, this is the worst thing to happen in for ages, and you should vote for me because something inflation.
1: Yeah, I mean, Republicans, to be fair, have been saying that for six to seven months. So one of the reasons why Republicans think this will be such a a fertile political ground is they've kind of been laying the groundwork on it for some time. And so today's numbers sort of bolster their broader point. I mean, they've been warning about inflation almost as long as Larry Summers. And so today's numbers dovetails with their argument. This is out there. This is going to be part of the debate. It's unclear to me how much effect on both sides, fiscal choices that both parties are going to make are going to have on inflation and moving forward. It's already like baked in the cake and we're just going to see how bad or how self-correcting it is.
0: We can talk a little bit about the causes of inflation. I think the clear, obvious cause, if you just go back far enough, was COVID. COVID caused a bunch of supply chain disruptions. It caused a bunch of fiscal response. It caused a bunch of monetary policy response. And all of these things to a greater or lesser degree have fed into inflation. As COVID goes away, you know, with any luck, then all of those responses and, and second order effects will disappear. And with any luck, the inflation will go away, although no one knows how long that will take. The Big question I have for you is just politically speaking for incumbents, is inflation always a bad thing? Is it always something that people feel bad about?
1: I hate to give you numbers, but it depends on the number, right? I mean, if inflation's at, you know, 1%, yeah, it's bad. It's too low. If it's 4% or 6%, it's potentially too high. I think what what we've really seen with inflation is this sort of larger proxy argument about the right response to COVID. And this is just one other place where, and I I could be getting in trouble here and making an argument that I haven't thought out too well, but like inflation almost seems part of the broader culture war. It seems like where you are on inflation is almost where you are on masks or, you know, vaccine mandates or this or that. It's just, so in that sense, it is about COVID. As to your earlier point, you know, COVID obviously had supply chain disruptions. There are not a whole lot of policy changes that Either president could have made on that.
0: Sure. But I mean, as we all know, presidents get blamed for economic conditions or take the credit for economic conditions, whether or not they really had any effect on those economic conditions. They also get blamed for health
1: conditions. But you can make a case that Donald Trump, had he put on a mask and had he been a little bit more forceful about the threats of COVID, could have been reelected. Republicans make that case. So I agree with you in general, the atmospherics are bad. But on the margins, these things matter.
0: The question I have about inflation is that there is a case to be made, and I have made it myself, that inflation in its current incarnation is pretty good for, call it, you know, working Americans. A huge amount of what we're seeing is price rises coming from the fact that, say, meat packers are making more money, and that drives up the price of meat or Uber drivers are making more money, and that drives up the price of Ubers. And in general, low-wage workers are making more money, and there's this new sort of de facto $15 an hour minimum wage, which is feeding into prices that people pay, and that's going up, but it's good for workers. Is that like a political reality at all? I'll agree with you if you
1: break down Joe Biden's coalition and tell me who's gotten a real wage increase and who hasn't gotten a real wage increase. Because if we're at six, you know, 7 percent inflation, if if all the workers you're talking about are getting six, 7 percent raises, that's great. Or they're getting 8 percent raises. That's great. Right. And this is kind of the argument the White House was subtly making throughout the the spring and summer that, well, you know, we want some upward pressure on wages. Higher wages are good for workers. They deserve it. What they don't want is those higher wages to be eroded by much higher prices. You know, you look at and I think you're right, right on the lower income side of things, you have seen substantial wage increases. It's the core of Biden's suburban coalition that may be feeling the squeeze a little bit more. And so their equity markets and their stock portfolios aren't going way higher like the super wealthy. They're seeing a lot of things cost more money. And again, there's just this psychological impact that whether or not it actually changes their balance sheet at home or what's in their bank account, it has an effect. And I think Republicans and and Democrats in the White House, they're they're aware of this.
0: So I have some numbers which are worth putting, which are worth bringing out here. Like last year, there was an interesting redistribution of income. The top 20 percent lost like 2.3 percentage points of their share of total income, while the bottom 20% gained 8.7 percentage points. But I think what you're talking about is the sort of slightly richer suburbanites, they're in that top 20% and they're seeing wages aren't necessarily keeping pace with inflation and they're paying poorer people more.
1: Yeah, I'd want to cross slice those numbers a lot more. I mean, here's where the political argument gets trickier, is that in the bottom end of the wage spectrum, you have a lot of cultural issues that are maybe more animating than inflation. You have vaccine hesitancy or outright vaccine resistance. Um, And and you would know better than I do, but where sort of your average trucker fits into your sort of the three baskets that you laid out, the bottom 20. We didn't really say much about the the middle 60 and the top 20. Obviously, they're not in the top. But, you know, when you have all these different arguments that are taking place, they don't, they're not in a vacuum, I guess. And so, yes, it may be true that lower income workers' wages are rising, but on some of the cultural issues, they're the ones that are the most sort of pro-Trump to sort of use a broad brushstroke there.
0: The other thing which is well worth noting here. Is that people feel bad about inflation, even when their income is more than making up for inflation? So, if you have kids and you're getting a whole bunch, you're getting three, an extra three hundred dollars, or six hundred dollars, or nine hundred dollars, depending on how much, how many kids you have, in terms of the child tax credit, and the prices you're paying at the grocery store or in rent or anything else is up. You know, maybe. One or $200, like you're in the money, in, in theory you should be happy, but in practice you still feel like inflation is a bad thing and you still feel bad about inflation.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you why you're unhappy and maybe I'm betraying too much about my own situation and that's because the pools were closed this summer, two or three days a week over the summer. Our, our buddy Neil Irwin has, has written about this, but when you look at sort of the shadow inflation, That's where I feel like the psychological impacts, and your numbers are great, and I I know you know them cold and you've looked at them a lot. It's really hard to gauge, oh, I have an uncle who stayed home and wasn't working and, you know, was collecting unemployment and it's Biden's fault. And by the way, it now takes me, you know, another 30 minutes when I'm getting my Starbucks. So that's, I think, the broader sort of almost unmeasurable conversation that people are having.
0: And this is the other thing which we have to like just mention in this conversation is that goods inflation is something that is hard to measure. Goods increase in quality over time and you have to kind of make adjustments in inflation for the increase in quality of the goods. If your iPhone costs the same, but it got better, is that, has it decreased in like real terms? But what's much, much harder is services inflation. If your Starbucks weight goes up from 10 minutes to 30 minutes that's you know effectively inflation there you are get you're, you're getting less good service for your dollar but how do you price that into the official inflation rate the answer is it's almost impossible there's a bunch of kind of services related inflation which isn't inflation of prices going up it's inflation of the quality of service going down that no one knows how to price but that people are definitely feeling
1: on the goods, like it is the goods is trickier, but the goods on the quality of the goods is hard. But like the price of the goods is really obvious. The quality isn't always that difficult. I'll give you another example. We had to get a new dishwasher, right? And like go ahead and flag this for another dishwasher story. But that dishwasher is a centimeter narrower than our previous one. Every time I load that dishwasher, I think about the mistake we made in not measuring twice before ordering a dishwasher.
0: Hans Nichols, I'm gonna let you go back and just think. Just think hard about your dishwasher decisions and just think to yourself, if only you had thought a little bit harder about your dishwasher decisions, how much happier you might be today. Noted. (laughs) Thanks, Hans. Welcome back. What I'm watching today is the brand new electric truck stock market darling, Rivian. They started trading on the NASDAQ today at a valuation of $100 billion, give or take. That's despite the fact they don't have any revenues yet. They're not really even selling anything yet. But people have invested 14 billion real cash dollars in this IPO. It's not just paper wealth. That's more than any company has raised since Alibaba in 2014. It's more than any American company has raised since Facebook in 2012. And right now, all the people investing all those dollars are in the money. Every dollar they invested yesterday is worth about $1.30 today. Not bad for a one-day return. But the real proof of the company will come when its trucks start hitting the market and compete with rival electric trucks from Tesla and Ford. Here's the scores on the board. Tesla's worth about a trillion dollars. Rivian, as we said, is worth about a hundred billion. Ford the longest, most established name of the lot is only worth 77000000000 billion. We'll see if that stays that way. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Felix Salmon, and we'll be back on Friday with another Axios Recap.